0: that's Paul Conroy I'm a driver for you guys I'm calling from Iraq my convoy was attacked sir if this is a crisis situation you need to contact the safety number you were behind. I know I know I know I know I know I don't have it anymore it's the people took it who took it sir I don't I don't know the Iraqis I think I, I blacked out I'm going to put you through to Alan Davenport da, who's that director of personnel please hold personnel no 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 no, no. wait 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 ah At CRT, we work
1: with our clients to provide effective and sustainable solutions to the challenges they face in our fast-growing global economy. As the pre... You've reached Alan Davenport, personnel director at Creston, Roland, and Thomas. Please leave your name and number at the tone, and I will return your call as soon as possible. This is Paul Conroy. I'm from Hastings, Michigan. I'm a driver for CRT. My convoy was ambushed by terrorists or insurgents. I don't know. I don't know who it was. And I'm stuck. I'm buried in a coffin in the ground, and I need help. Please send help. I'm begging you. I think I'm in Bakiba in the Diala province, but I'm not sure. Please please send help right away. I can't breathe in here. I can't
0: breathe. I didn't know how else to call. Please, I'm... Be- <laughs>
1: Ha the only thing
0: we have to fear is fear itself. No, be afraid. Be very afraid. There's nothing to fear except God. Whatever that means to you. Do I look like someone who cares what God thinks? I will feel we to We got holy You're listening to a podcast exploring faith and fear. What scares us and what saves us. This is the fear of God. Hello and welcome back to your favorite podcast, (laughs) my favorite podcast, everyone's favorite podcast at the intersection of faith and fear, where every week we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the fear of God. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse, and typically with me is Reed Lackey. And guys, he was here a minute ago, but said he had to go play. In the sandbox. I don't know. I, I really, I really got nothing this time, y'all. I mean, this is a, this is a wild movie. I don't know how you make light of it, but he's gone. Okay. And hopefully he'll be back. And cause I don't want to do this whole thing without him. In the meantime, allow me to welcome you listeners back into this big series we've been doing this year. What scares us slash what saves us? A series defined by you. Believe it or not, we're nearing the end of this phase of this series. We're going to have a fun middle section, (laughs) and then we're going to go right back into it after that. Uh, If you've been buried alive in a coffin somewhere in the Middle East, you may not know that this series has been about listeners like you submitting stories of films and media that instilled or or stoked a certain fearful imagining, and we have been covering them here on the show, but I am getting ahead of myself a bit because here at The Fear of God, we explore. We do not explain, except for right now, when I explain that you can listen to The Fear of God at your nearest podcast platform. You can watch The Fear of God on YouTube, and you can browse so much on The Fear of God website at thefearofgodpodcast.com. You can buy merch there. You can find a whole bevy of new blog post series there you can find read. Hey buddy. Hey man.
1: Hey, am I am I coming through okay? I've got I've got good good cell phone reception. Good. I'm good. You do. I mean yeah. yeah. Okay. Are you okay? It is really it is really hard to make light of this movie. It is very difficult to make light like, of movie. <laughs> this you know, what I was gonna say is like, Oh yeah, I just been feeling, you know, overwhelmed, way over my head you know in work yeah, you know yeah, like no,
0: just no, uh no. sort of you know you know i really belabored over it and i was like screw it i'm not can't. <laughs> i'm not what are you gonna do like, without sounding uh, like a yeah. complete jerk and feeling like a uh, insensitive guy such so, a I, heavy so i just movie. didn't so, it is yeah. it is yeah. um so. speaking of heavy things how about a little bit of business <laughs> oh well that's okay sure yes a little bit of business <laughs> yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah. Of heavy business but you know what <laughs> Riri. This I, I we, no, we no. I, I led in I made that segue as though there was there was there was actually heaviness to discuss it <laughs> but there's nothing heavy here my brother Mm-mm. we Mm-mm.
1: Mm-mm. Reed,
0: we are formally making <laughs> a promotion we're announcing a promotion on it's the okay. show right now. We-
1: we don't get to do this very often. We don't. It's so we fun. Don't.
0: It's we, so fun. Maybe, this is great. Maybe we should pay better or something, you know? Oh, um, no, 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 no. Yeah, okay, now you're okay, just crazy okay, talking. Okay, yeah. So just, uh, <laughs> just... It's a promotion. It's like a... Yeah, it's just a new consider title. That and it that. It is done. a new title.
1: Exactly. Um, that is... It's one of those things where, like, you say, oh, I'm going to get a new title. Do I get more money? No, you don't. It's just the title's the gift, okay? The title is what you... You know, know, you're getting your stuff out out in the world, kid. Be
0: happy with that. Oh, Wow, you sound really (laughs) (laughs) slimeball. I know. I know. But before I dig too too big a hole there and then jump in a box in it and then someone pour sand over it, you know? Oh, um, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) The promotion we are set to announce here is a brand new staff member. Eagle-eyed listeners and viewers of the website may have already noticed this because it went up. What time is a face on the water when we record? So I don't know when it went up, but it's in the last week. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, adding to the fear of God staff on your website is Asia Swartz and Truber. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you, Asia. She's 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 out there. She's she's putting her hands in the air, real celebratory style. Uh, I <laughs> applaud you for that. Her title read: "I'm tempted to make you do it." Um, no, but that's so stressful. It, don't be stressed <laughs> out. It's we're all friends here. So Asia has been uh, an active member of the Facebook group for some time now. Uh, had a very unique. Sort of skill set that we thought would be fun to bring to bear on the horror genre. Um, and she will be for the uh, foreseeable future our horror enneagramarian. That. The horror enneagramarian. Is an I incredible guess. word. And I love it. I love it. You, I love it. It's You wonderful. have already seen uh, Asia exercising this skill set uh, with our favorite continentals is that what people from the continent are called <laughs> <laughs> like uh, got little wheels on the one. front of them yeah yeah yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> like the, the continental so oh, uh, man, uh,
0: with Geralt of Rivia and Yennefer of Venger um <laughs> she 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 analyzed them and i love it i love y'all, it imp- yeah it's impressive it, it gave yeah. weight and and heft To these two characters that we sort of poked fun at over time and reading her stuff. I really felt bad for my (laughs) occasional commentary uh, about the Witcher because she did a bang up job uh, uh, showing us what uh, the Enneagram can do for these characters that we know and love. So you will be uh, definitively seeing her more on the show or hearing her more on the show uh, in audio form, seeing it in YouTube form, uh, as well as uh, she will be popping up on the website uh, in the foreseeable future with uh, this horror Enneagrammarian craft that she's going to bring to bear on characters that we love. So welcome to the party. Welcome Welcome. to the staff, Asia, um, as they used to say in X-Men comics in the 80s. Hope you survive. <laughs> wow. <that's, laughs> yeah. It's weird. They'd be like, grim. Welcome to the X Men Kitty Pride. Hope you survive. <laughs> wow. That's how a lot so, of comic covers went in the eighties. These are bleak. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> so yeah. So yeah, that's that's a huge announcement. That's big. It's uh, so, very so big. It's like a major award, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a major award. Fragile. What else Italian. is there, Reed? What else is there? So, well, what's funny
1: is, okay, so I would just ask the listeners to stay tuned for a later segment for something that I think would be more appropriate when we announce it, like when it is proximal to actually making its appearance in the show. But I'm just going to say on this episode, I'm just going to say to tease it out here we have some amazing listeners, and you, you all, uh, if, if you think it's just the facetious thing that podcast hosts say, we love you all. You are uh sometimes so game for just, like, the biggest little surprises and delights to just drop into us. And mm, so okay, later in okay. the episode... Yep. Later in the episode, you are going to get a real treat. Um, it was a surprise to us and is going to be a perpetual surprise uh, for all of you. So uh, but I think it, it, while I should tease it in business time, just stay tuned. It will be happening later in this episode and you'll know it when you when you hear it. So um, but yeah, it's awesome. uh, it, it's really cool. But no, that's a that's about all I had for okay. for business bees in this time. So um, actually, so this is we're rounding the corner. On this first wave of 2021, and we've been diving into all year the the hashtag What Scares Us model. So we have some fun things planned that we won't announce uh, for another couple of weeks, but some really fun things on the horizon for the summer. It's going to be a summer breakout, summer kind of party, if you will. Uh, but so we're going to be doing that in just a little, uh, in just a few weeks. But since we are winding down this this series, as we'd mentioned before. Uh, you know, we, we've we tried to cover as many people as possible, didn't quite get to every submission, um, but uh, we thought it might be cool uh, to s- show some of the things that a couple of people submitted more than one thing to us. For and, what scares uh, us. Okay. For okay. what scares us, yes, because so we've been I'm inviting every. Yeah, no. So we had been inviting everybody to submit to us uh, ideas for what scares you, and and we made some selections from there. But there were some really cool entries that we never got to. So, um, you know, uh, I figure maybe we could read a few of those. Maybe we'll do the same thing, uh, in the next couple of weeks before we wind this all down. If you're game for that, so, uh, so you want to do that just real quick? Let's do it. So. I'm actually gonna. I'm actually gonna lead with it. It's it's somewhat short, and we'll be hearing from him a little bit later. I just thought this uh, was succinctly so well put um, from Ernst Mantler, who actually helped program this actual episode. So you'll be hearing directly from Ernst a little bit later. But uh, Ernst Mantler had also submitted to us. He said, "My brother likes showing me movies that'll scare the crap out of me," and one of the firsts growing up was Cujo. So for many years, I was uncomfortable. Around dogs, and then you have to kind of see it to appreciate it. But he said this movie did, period, not, period, help, <laughs> period. Um, I have so, still not uh,
0: seen or read Cujo. Maybe we should we should program really? that for a quarterly king. I mean, I know uh, what it's about, but I haven't. No, I've not sure, seen or read it. Sure,
1: sure, sure, sure. No, um, yeah, Cujo, Cujo is gnarly, and I will say that um, the ending. Of the book is different from the movie okay. and significantly
0: bleaker. I would just drop that you, in. Maybe you're saying the movie to... is bleaker than the book, or r- no, reverse? The book, okay. is,
1: the book is the book is one of his bleakest endings to any piece of material. So yeah, we well,
0: like morph into old Yeller, you know? Just
1: wow, no, dog out not, the woodshed. It's not quite. It's not quite that. So, but it's, <laughs> you're like,
0: no, it's not that bleak. <laughs> No. Oh,
1: Okay, <laughs> <You know. laughs> no, but it's it's pretty it's pretty heavy. It's pretty heavy. And it's pretty it's pretty rough. But uh, but anyway, but yes, Cujo is legit. Cujo is, is strong. We should cover it at some point. Dude, uh, what, what do you want to? All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna questions? pick
0: one here. Uh, personal friend, former Fox staffer speaking of uh, Meredith Curran. So Meredith is a, a horror super fan. Uh, she's a Fox super fan. You'll see her around the Facebook group. Uh, occasionally, she shared and I, I kind of wish we'd gotten to some of these, but you know, there's goodness gracious. Dude, it's June. Dude, I don't know if you've caught I that. Um, I know. Meredith said, It took me a while to narrow this down. I have so many great memories being scared as a kid, and it's hard to choose between the cackling corpse and Tales from the Dark Side and the contorted woman who crawls out of the car and in, in the mouth of madness. Neither of which I've seen. Let's all say it in unison, she says. That ain't right. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> but what stands out to me the most is Creepshow 2, particularly, and I assume she's referencing one of the shorts in that, The Raft. That's, yes, that's right. I spent a lot of time, I spent a lot of time on the lake as a kid, and the thought of man eating sludge wading in the algae covered wings felt very real as a child. What scared me even more is watching it as an adult and realizing how inappropriate it is for children. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Uh,
1: yes. Uh, I, I do have a soft spot for Creep Show, too. Uh, yeah. I, maybe someday at some point we're going to cover it because uh, it's one of those that, like I've mentioned before, where um, actually uh, I think in weird time travel recording thing. We've recorded an episode that has not aired yet, um where I mentioned that sometimes what? I love, <laughs> sometimes I love or react strongly to sequels, even more so than their originals. Um And Creepshow 2 is also kind of in that category. I'm very, very fond of it. Funny, funny story about Creepshow 2. And then I'll, I'll share uh, another, what scares us submission is I think I've told this story on pod. So I'll just breeze through it is when I was younger and I always loved like scary stories and stuff. I asked my cousin one time when he was kind of babysitting me and uh I asked him to tell me some scary stories if he knew any, like some ghost stories and stuff like that. And he began to share with me this just, you know, story after story after story that I didn't realize until later he was sharing with me Stephen King stories that he was <laughs> briefly summarizing and sort of sharing them, like he shared thinner with me and then he had told me But presented them sto- as
0: just Scary just stories. Just I've scary never heard stories. That story for me. so That's fun. That's cute. Oh yeah, yeah. I like so
1: it. I just I have this very distinct memory of us just hanging that Alan out. Or Wayne? This w- to be on. So they're twins, and I cannot <laughs> remember which one it was. I cannot remember if it was Alan or Wayne. My memory, <laughs> that's my hysterical. memory is I know right because they're twins, but my memory is that it was Wayne. Or but maybe that- well, they're
0: yeah, subbing I cannot- themselves out for each other.
1: But who knows? I can't remember. But I I remember it being Wayne. But it could have just as easily been Alan. I don't remember, but but they are they are twins, listeners. Uh, my cousins are twins. We will be sure to
0: tag them on this episode. I, yeah,
1: and my my, it was like seven or eight years old, so I do not remember which one of them it was. But I do distinctly remember sitting there and listening to just and being so thrilled at hearing story after story. They told me this. He they told me the story of Thinner. The 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 novel thinner and just sort of summarized it very briefly and that got etched in my brain And then they also told me another story from creep show 2 which was the hitchhiker story the thanks for the ride lady story God, I loved it so much. It was so exciting. So yeah, anyway, so that's that um, okay since we've just inaugurated her into the uh, uh, the fog staffers Um, we'll read the other submission that asia Swartzentuber gave to us aside from rosemary's baby, which she had also submitted So this was the other thing that she'd mentioned. Um, She said, I think the answer to the broader question of what scares me is twofold. A, what I can't see or control and B, how does it affect me? The more specific answer in terms of film is the Babadook because that film answers both questions in the most visually and sensually disturbing ways. As a child, dark windows, closets, and shadows always just upset me because my imagination could paint anything on the blackness. The Babadook upset me in some really visceral ways because it hit every nerve of everything the child in me already felt insecure about. And it goes so far as to answer the all-consuming question when you are afraid, how do I get rid of this? My childhood aversion to anything body distortion or possession-related is also triggered severely in this movie in the moment when the Babadook inhabits the mother. And because the Babadook so Seamlessly melts into darkness and can appear to be one with just about any object in any place, any time, there's no escaping him. He really follows you home. You seemingly cannot control him, A, and B, he will affect you in the most mentally and physically violating ways possible. Slasher movies don't really scare me, home invasion movies don't scare me, demons and forces not of this world scare me. Uh, P.S. Even though the Babadook scared me the most, my favorite horror film is Rosemary's Baby, which I would shriek with delight if you guys covered it at some point. Little did she know at that point uh, that not only would uh, we cover Rosemary's Baby, but that she would be a part of the conversation. So yeah, hmm. there we go. That was uh, Asia's unpacking, I think very astutely, of the Babadook. So uh, this is this has oh. been fun. Oh, Still remember making you watch that movie so late at night. I loved you were, it. It was, it was great. It was, it was fun. It was fantastic. Um, so yeah, those were just a, a handful of some of the other smattering uh, submissions that we've uh, received on What Scares Us. We will be after a brief and very fun intermission entering into the What Saves Us camp, but more on that will come a little bit later. Just be patient, listeners. Just hang tight. Um, but today... We are entering into this, uh, Ryan Reynolds starring. I've got to look up the name of the director again. The, uh, directed by Rodrigo Cortez. Uh, this very, uh, very heavy, but pretty inventive little, uh, claustrophobic nightmare called Buried. This was also submitted to us, uh, as I'd mentioned earlier by Ernst Mantler. And he was gracious enough as we ask uh, if he wanted to submit a recording and he did. So uh, we're going to refresh our respective drinks and then uh, let him explain to us why he chose this for us. So take it away. Ernst still a relative newbie to scary movies, but one movie that helped definitively reveal a long time fear of confined spaces and having a lack of control is the movie buried with Ryan Reynolds. It may not be an overall amazing movie. And honestly, I don't even know what possessed me to watch it in the first place, outside of it being starred by a Canadian, as I always knew that I was uncomfortable with a lack of personal space. But this movie helped me put a name to my fear. And it also just scared the crap out of me, man. Thank you very, very much for that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we can we can totally understand, especially having seen it. So I had seen this movie one time before. Um, I'd watched it just because I... I have a soft spot in my heart. Well, for a lot of things, apparently, because I feel like I say that a lot. But mm. I have a soft spot in my good. heart you for got a,
0: you. Got a you
1: just? I've got a soft heart. Got soft I've got soft spots. Got a, I'm, I'm, got I love a, it. I've got a, a tender heart. So, um, but uh I, I like films that the one could maybe call them gimmicky, but in general, they are inventive in their narrative dynamic Mm -hmm. um it's not a horror film although definitely harrowing in some places you remember that tom hardy film lock oh yeah did you ever see that um yeah where the entire film is him in the car um and uh and i thought that was a really fun well fun is operative word but i thought it was a really inventive and imaginative uh kind of film so I had sought this out. This was several years uh, prior to seeing Locke, but I had sought out Buried because I was intrigued by the premise, and so I was just curious. At that point, Ryan Reynolds was not the you know Deadpool mega superstar he is now. He was known name, but um, but I hadn't I at hadn't that point he was the... just Green Lantern. You know, <laughs> had he done Green Lantern
0: by then? I, I didn't look oh, up I, the timing, but uh, I imagined so, but I, I don't have the dates in front of me. Could be
1: this was this was 2010, and I can't remember when Green Lantern was, but. You might be right. Um, but uh, I saw it, and there's so much about it that I just could not shake off, even though I'd only seen it once before. Mm-hmm. I'm very curious to know what you uh, thought of the movie. I'm very curious to hmm. know, like, just in general. Had I you was seen wrong. it before? 2011. No. Oh. oh, Green okay. Lantern was right.
0: 2011.
1: Oh, okay. All right. Well.
0: I'm, I'm sure I this is what it, got him the role.
1: <laughs> My man, man. It is, a, I mean... It's I it, I know I just asked you what you thought of it but I mean like it it demands a lot of him like practically speaking and performance wise it demands a, an awful lot of him and uh, and I feel personally I feel like he really delivers in the role um but uh before we get into too many of those specifics just yeah what what what'd you think how'd you how'd you respond to it in general
0: um I was about to say I dug it, but that felt like a poor choice of words. Wow. Um, Wow. um, (laughs) Oh, really? That's the brain train I just had. (laughs) Um, It was
1: way over my head. (laughs)
0: Wow. Nope. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I was being apologetic. You just threw it out uh, to test, (laughs) test the boundaries. Um, Sure. No, I'm with you. I tend to appreciate something that at least experiments with the form. Um, uh it's funny just reading some of those what scares us submissions and realizing how many movies i kind of haven't watched yet because at this point i'm just saving for when the time comes that we get to them on the show like in the mouth of madness cujo etc and i think this is kind of one of those like well i kind of i kind of have an idea of what i'm gonna get which is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. ryan reynolds in a box um (laughs) and (laughs) definitely (laughs) delivers on that now um i'm gonna i'm gonna uh give one strong dislike and one strong like, and then pivot. I've got a a question for you. Um, Okay. The strong like, and it's real. I was very impressed with once, once it reveals why he's in there, because what's always challenging with a story like this is how do you, how do you narratively justify what is going on without it being just some absurd, whatever. Um, And so once it was like, Oh, well, you know, contracting work, just a, a blue collar kind of guy uh, doing contracting work in the Middle East. Uh, but because he's American gets waylaid and 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 my understanding is thought dead gets buried, but maybe they intended to bury him alive. I don't know. But nonetheless, the trappings of why he's where he is. I was like, yep, I'm down. I can. I, yeah, I sure. have uh-huh. what I need to buy into this story now. Um, and that's that's kind of hard to come by sometimes.
1: Sure. Um, understood.
0: Maybe. I don't know if you agree with that or not. Now. I will
1: respond in a moment. mm,
0: (laughs) So one of the things I actively didn't love. And let me rephrase that. One of the things I actively disliked. and, And it's really one of the only things. But it's worth throwing in here. So that we can get to the meatier stuff. For. The movie does this thing. About Gosh as few as three as many as half a dozen times in it's 90 Mm. minutes or less for a movie that that is all about the intimate and the claustrophobic there are moments in this film where it wants you to believe it's a high octane action thriller with its editing and its score I don't know if you felt that way in some moments I was like Mm. whoa I get it like whoa (laughs) like this this is pump the brakes on the on the production a little bit. Like, let me sure, yeah, let the actor and the concept do its work. And, and so mm-hmm. I don't, do you know what I'm talking about when I say that? Like,
1: yeah, I mean, I, there's some moments where I feel like, uh, well, let me describe what came to mind when you said that is like when the sand starts pouring in and suddenly it's, it's just like lots of fast cuts around inside the coffin. And then the, the music kind of swells. I mean, it's the first place my mind conjured, but maybe you have a more specific, Well, example. like
0: uh, two examples I wrote down. Well, how I wrote it was, I don't love some of the sensational cuts and scoring. It undercuts some of the severity in favor of action thriller energy. And the specific mm. instances I wrote is when the, the, the Middle Eastern character on the phone yells, make video now. And there's this, this real loud escalating oh, music. I see, and then right, another moment right. where the snake is present, the phone is ringing, the fingers coming off. It is really loud. Like it's just a really loud score. Gotcha. Yeah. So moments mm-hmm. like that where it's like, I don't, I don't. I'm not, I, I'm observing this. I'm not stating this is the case. Sure. Right. It felt like an insecure maneuver. Let me, let me, cause I, anyway, regardless, the point is simply, I liked a whole lot about the movie. That was something that because of its repetition, I felt compelled right. to, to sort of bring up. Um, I do have a question, but I want to hear your thoughts to the, what so I the said. The first part.
1: Yeah. Um, so I don't disagree with anything you said this viewing it now. With recent uh, sort of heightened awareness and sensitivity of the ways cultures are portrayed on screen in Mm -hmm. fictitious storytelling, I actually don't... I'm feeling my way through my opinion on this, so I don't have a strong opinion on it, but I did actively wonder a couple of times, is the film somewhat problematic in the way it portrays, you know, the this these Iraqi insurgents that they would just bury this man alive because I do think that the narrative wants us to presume that they buried him alive, not that they just thought he was dead and buried him, um but, uh, but it's possible that 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 was just an error because he has that cell phone in there with yeah, him that's so true. It, feel, it's, that's true. it feels it yeah. feels like there was some intention to bury him alive and I did wonder if there was a this is going to seem this is going to sound really random but um, did you do you remember much about the if if anything about the Edgar Allan Poe story, The Pit and the Pendulum? Do you remember much about no. anything about that? So, I, I have not reread it in in quite a minute, but if my memory of it serves, the whole reason it, it it it's somewhat similar to the concept of buried in that the um main character of The Pit and the Pendulum awakens. To find himself strapped to like a slab in a pit and there's a swinging blade that keeps like escalating down and that the reason he is there has something to do with the current political conflict in which Mm -hmm. he was engaged. Mm -hmm. But it's been so long since I've read the story, I I can't stand 100% behind that, but that's what came to my mind. And um, I just wondered if there was some, you know, because he... Ryan Reynolds' character in this is uh incredibly sympathetic in the fact that you, you know he is an American and an innocent in this conflict um is is purely collateral damage and um would this you know th- would this touch on some problematic notions I don't even know for sure that it does but um you know Well, and in your it, defense. It me a couple of times.
0: What I was saying is I at least the construct it gave me helped me understand why this character is even where he sure. I'm not even necessarily sure. agree with disagreeing that. with the potential problematic nature of, of how we portray non-Americans for sure. Um, right. Understood. All right. Yeah. Before we wade into too deep of waters perhaps we can introduce our new concept right after this, but I got a question for you, Reid. So, okay, sure. All right. Just this year we did the shallows, Blake lively, Ryan, yeah. R- Ryan Reynolds, Mm-hmm. Beautiful people. Beautiful people. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like you yeah. know where I'm going here. Power couple. Power absolutely couple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They each made a power! yeah sure yeah they each made their own survival movie. Ones in a box. Ones with a shark. Mm-hmm. But I want to suggest another power couple. And Reed, that'd be you and I. um, Beautiful people. Oh no. Power couple. Okay. You are.
1: I, I, I appreciate come on. the compliment for myself. Come on.
0: Please. Come on. This is no time for humility. Um, role play with me here. <laughs> so read. I want to know if us as power couple, okay. we were to okay. be staring together at scripts, one of mm. which that had us mm. facing down a shark, one of which had us, you know, but, but befriending Steven Seagal. I think was the name of the character there. That's um, it. that's correct. And the other one had a stuck in a box. Which one would you pick, Reed? I want to know what you like. What are you going to subject me to? What are you going to choose for yourself? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like the power couple paradox. You know,
1: that really is. Yeah. It really is. Um, this is, are gonna, you going
0: for is... self preservation? You're going to throw me.
1: I, I am. <laughs>
0: I am. So, so I guess so this we're not gonna... a very power couple after all.
1: <laughs> so while it is while it is terrifying to think about, utterly terrifying to think about, particularly given this movie and the difference in how the shallows ends versus how buried ends, um I think I would go for the box. And the reason I think I would wow. go for the box all right. I think the reason I would go for the box is because I'm a very little guy. And that's not to imply I thought that, I thought that, that. You
0: are, I thought that. Yeah, it
1: <laughs> is, is I, I remember several More times as I was watching this. I was Yeah, I was like, I was, I was watching this several times. I was like, hmm, Ryan Reynolds is a muscular guy. He's probably about 6'2", 6'3", or something like that. I'm only 5'7", and very small, and I bet my oxygen would last longer, and I bet I might be able to maneuver you'd into be, a corner, or maybe like, yeah. You'd be, you'd just, be, be
0: just going in circles. I'd be building in Legos box. in
1: the corner. I'd just be like, you know, like, oh, that man. That snake I just, would I've just up take home.
0: up residence, and you wouldn't even know it. You're like, no, you got a, it's like, like oh. a, It's like a duplex. There.
1: Somebody is. <laughs> is that an
0: echo in here? Echo. <laughs> You're gonna last longer. Brenner's gonna yeah. get to the wrong place and realize he's at the wrong place. And and no. Still have hours oh, okay. <laughs> I've been. You've learned to slow your breathing down. You're yeah, not taking you small right. breaths or something. You know. No,
1: no. I'll be. I'll be you fine. are a
0: good I'll man, be fine. reed Lackey. You. Fine. So no so I'll take the box. Yeah, I'll take the good. box. Good. Well maybe i'll survive the shark probably not but i I will (laughs) let's just say this in terms of beautiful people i have nothing on blake lively (laughs) and she will probably make it alive far more frequently than i will but i think that's a fair assessment that was a a fun little game i I enjoyed that a little bit but would (laughs) would you rather
1: if you will sure sure no indeed um okay so I do want to so, so before before we get into this next part because this next mm-hmm. part is, is is maybe kind of a little bit exciting. Um, so we've we've both kind of addressed a couple of things. I I want to hit it one more time just because the actor in me feels the need to sort of applaud and everything. Like it's one thing for a movie to rest on an actor's shoulders in an ensemble piece or in a gimmicky piece or whatever like that, but this if you don't care about Ryan Reynolds and the performance he's delivering, you don't care about this movie at all. I think this the the film itself, you know, there there might be a bit of sort of severity to the plight he's entering into, but I do want to applaud Ryan Reynolds acting here because I feel like I don't know that this is true, but I feel like he is somebody who is not often regarded for his capacity and talent as an actor because he is so attractive looking. He's that, you know, sort of classical leading man type. Um, and so I feel like he does not often, and maybe again, maybe I'm wrong about that, but I feel like he does not often get, uh, kudos for just skillfully executing something he is. And, and he doesn't, I'll even go so far as to say he doesn't always do this good of a job. Um, there've been a couple of other things where I felt like he was maybe a bit too over the top, uh, maybe hitting the notes of, of, uh, comedy a bit too strong, but I feel like this is a really, um, lived in kind of performance and i feel like he really does invest you as a viewer beyond just the circumstances in which he's placed um so before we move on into this next little segment i just wanted to throw uh some specific love the way of ryan reynolds for his performance in this film because it demands a tremendous amount for him uh one trivial bit that i wrote down is the moment that they filmed where uh spoiler alert for the end of this film he does not make it out of the box. Uh, the film ends and he is actually buried alive and will die. Um, when the sand has fully mm-hmm. like made it all the way up, I read a trivial bit that that was basically real. Yeah. And that uh, they had paramedics on site to quickly, like once they got the shot... Quickly, sort of recover and make sure that he himself was okay. Uh, but I'm like, "Whoo!" This role demanded a lot of him, and mm-hmm. I feel like he uh, delivered uh, pretty well in that uh, in that spectrum. So, anyway, before we move on into the next part, I had to I had to just throw that out there. So, do you want to set up what comes next, or do you want me to? You do. Okay. So, I mentioned earlier, teased earlier that we have some fantastic listeners, and we do. And we and, and we love you all, and we mean that when we say that, but. We introduced this segment uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, with, I believe, with Steve Beckley on the uh, Event Horizon conversation, I believe, was the first place that that we inaugurated. I believe that was the first sing-songy thing. Hmm. Um, And uh, we (laughs) introduced, he will, Um, and we introduced this little, you know, uh, this moment of uh, that ain't right, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, a a new sort of uh, formal segment. But then... We had a listener just reach out to us and just like had uh, gif wrapped a little delight for us um, because we're often talking about these little like sing songy things. And we had a listener by the name of Andrew Nelson who decided that he would just say, Hey, y'all, check this out. What do you think? And wrote us a tune (laughs) for That Ain't Right wrote us a legit and it's been stuck in my head ever since he sent it ever since he sent it so um so you're hearing it here first listeners but uh andrew we really appreciated this this is so much fun uh thank you so much and so we're gonna enter into the that ain't right segment with a with a legit jingle with a with a straight up
0: the that ain't right jingle uh, climb climbing take up it, the pop charts take it so, away andrew Sure
1: as hell ain't right.
0: That's amazing. Thank you so much, <laughs> so Andrew Nelson, awesome. <laughs> uh, for so amazing a tune. Um, so, yes, it is time once more, Reed Lackey, to to find all the things that aren't just wrong. They ain't right. <laughs> they ain't right. <laughs> they ain't just wrong. It ain't right. <laughs> Real-time slogan. Oh. Um, so, yes, <laughs> this is the part of the show where we – uh, uh list our top three that ain't right moments from a given film this time around buried featuring yes Ryan Reynolds in a box. so um you want to go first? I'll go first um go first? we're going top to bottom your worst to well not as worst. okay well the worst. Hmm. Now you threw me because I was ready for. A, oh. I wasn't thinking about the worst. But I've got two. I've got two chances at this. So so we'll see. Okay. The worst. Okay. The worst. That ain't right. I mean, if you were to pick it, that ain't right. If this movie turns on this scene, <laughs> and it's the end. I, I think I know exactly where you're going, end. and it's my number one as well. It's, it's the end. Oh, it's yeah. Not, no, I just it's mean not. the movie turns on that scene. Like in other words. Yeah. Sure. I had no reason to necessarily think. He will not survive. Yeah. And then the end, right. and you're like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> turns yeah. out his wife won this bet. I get the shark movie <laughs> and I'm getting out alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. the oh, degree man. of that ain't right attached to how that ends, like it almost feels. Uh, uh um too lighthearted to call it that ain't right because when it I happens right. you're like oh ooh yes ooh. yeah we just we 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 just dove we just dug deeper into the
1: pit yeah, for for listeners who have not seen this. So throughout the course of the movie, he has a cell phone in with him and a couple of times has contacted some FBI agents and these FBI agents are searching for him. They are actively searching for him. At least that's what they tell him. And towards the in the last 10 minutes of the film, when kind of all seems lost and uh the top of the box has kind of broken in a little bit and some sand is starting to fill the coffin. Um, and he's pretty much resigned himself to the fact of he's going. He's not going to make it out of this. He's even recorded a little last will and testament video that he that he uploaded. Um, so he's not making it out of this. Suddenly, he gets on the phone again with the FBI agent, who's like, "Hey, we got a lead on you, and we are almost there. Like, we are literally like almost there." So. They, they found a lead on him. They are coming, uh, they are, they are going to get him out. And then he even has like a brief phone call where he finally, he's been trying the whole movie to connect with his wife. He finally connects with his wife and he's like, they're coming to get me. They're coming to get me. Like, we're, we're coming. And then they literally, the, when the FBI agent gets back on the phone with him, he's like, three more minutes. Just hold on for three more. Th- excuse me. Just hold on for three more minutes. <laughs> I'm sure. talking sure. about it. Just hold up, for, hold on for three more minutes. Just three more minutes. And then suddenly, they open and he's like, you know, are you here? Are you here? And suddenly they open it up and you hear the FBI agent's voice sort of fall. I was like, oh, my God. No, no. They led us to Mark White's body, which Mark White was another character that was referenced earlier. But they led us to Mark White's body. And and then when he said that, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And then the sand fills up. fills up. He is going to die. And then the last words you hear in the film are, I'm so sorry, Paul. And that's that's <laughs> the ending of the film. And and I I get it. It's on my list. I didn't put it number one. I'll mm. tell you mine in just a second. But but that's that's on my list. That that ain't right. That so ain't right. It well, just rips your heart out. Well, what's what's Why? yours? Rivaling that moment, which God, that is an awful moment, is the phone call where he is terminated. Oh. from his job Ooh. and they rip away his insurance his life insurance his life insurance and so the premise of this film is he is a truck driver for like a transportation company obviously yeah, a
0: contractor yeah
1: and he's a contractor who is uh operating in iraq and some insurgents uh, had uh, basically he stumbled upon an IED and something else. There were, there were some other sort of factors that sort of led to them taking him and throwing him in this box and burying him alive. And then he tries to reach out to several different people. But one of the people he tries to connect with is his employer. And when he finally gets a call back from somebody in the HR of his employer, who then begins to record the conversation and notify him that they found evidence that he had been fraternizing with an employee and that because he had been fraternizing with an employee, they've terminated his employment. And since effective they terminated his morning. effective that morning, exactly. So that because they terminated him that morning and everything that happened to him was after... He was terminated. He was not an employee of CRT anymore. And therefore, his family was not eligible for the insurance. And uh, that... That was terrible. Nathan, that ain't ain't right. That ain't right. And uh, if there is anything in this movie that is worse than the absolute ending, it is
0: that right there. Is it, though? Ain't right. Because the end is not right. It's it's, it's not wrong. It ain't right. right. Uh, Him (laughs) being... Him being, uh, you know, retroactively let go from his employer so that God the mercy. corporate capitalist pigs don't have to pay out to his family for his pain and their pain and suffering. Yes. That, that isn't just wrong; it ain't right. But Reed, I mean Nathan, Nathan, are there many things more ain't right than as Woody the sheriff might say, "There's a snake in my pants." <laughs> There's a snake
1: in my pants. <laughs> There's a snake in my pants. When that started happening, I was like, You're you my favorite got deputy.
0: To Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Somebody's poisoned got... the
0: water hole. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I get it. There's a snake in my pants. Um you know, I I've got questions, you know? My man just woke up with a snake, snake in, his pants. in his pants. This is not a euphemism. It was No.
1: No, it was and, slithering.
0: Uh, a snake did it. I mean, oh, like... my God. Come on. Ah. Uh, there is... I, I, as, remember how I said 10 minutes ago, hey, you know what? This movie constructed a narrative that helps me buy into why I'm watching what I'm watching. I'm, I'm sure. with you. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just don't know. I don't know <laughs> how... If I can buy that you fell asleep or you passed out or what. Now... I guess if you're unconscious maybe but like what the snake in your pants well that, you know the
1: snake you know the snake didn't start out in his
0: right pants. right and right, it like, did it go up one leg and around and down out the other that's a whole level of that ain't right because it, yeah. it exits the pant leg head first so yeah either it went up the same pant leg and turned around in the same that uh, what there is no version of this story <laughs> that would qualify as something resembling right.
1: No, and, no, it is no, no, it is this. It took a wrong turn at Albuquerque. It absolutely did. Like it was just and and the freaking like. Presumably, he is completely buried. So, like, did the snake like crawl through the it's dirt and like? Yeah, sure. A sand snake. Oh okay. well,
0: there's a hole I, in the <laughs> coffin, dear Liza. At first, you were.
1: Yes, I know, I know that I saw that, so I knew that the impression is that the snake like, oh, well then it's gonna slither, but you just said very confidently, "Oh, it's a sand snake, oh, isn't I'm, it, oh <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, so, but I was just like that I was one of snakes. my first questions is I was like, how did this snake get into like did it did it is just crawling around through the dirt? I thought snakes crawled on the dirt. I didn't know that they crawled like down deep in the buried, you know, like ooh
0: Because no, they're not worms, I mean they, like they No, breathe, they you they're know, snakes. But right? I mean, that snake, speaking of not my story, not your story, like <laughs> that snake, he just in the cool of the sand, it's hot up on that surface of the sand. So he's under yeah. the, he's, in it, he's like, there's a new den. I'm going to go in like, here. Wait a minute. So it goes in the box. This is cool. And then he's like, wait a minute. Here's, it's furnished. Here's a cabinet. <laughs> 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 it's furnished. <laughs> he's like, wait a minute. Sees a pant leg, thinks it's a new cavern he can slither up into. And then he's like, Wait a minute. Oh my God. It's very
1: bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my bad. I'm sorry. I didn't realize. <laughs> I didn't realize. Please excuse me uh, while I.
0: <laughs> I'm the way I came. <laughs> I'll let myself out. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's I'll
1: <laughs> let myself out. Just don't, don't mind me. Don't mind me. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: There's only room for one. And so he leaves. And then my man's just trying to go. And Ryan Reynolds is like, "Uh-uh, I'm gonna torch you. Come on, yeah. Come on, oh my Paul. gosh. He. Oh my friggin- god, that's funny." lit freaking
1: flask alcohol on fire in the middle what? of this what are you doing? like, like, <laughs> like that this is-, is gonna go well for you like <laughs> Wow. Well, he got uh, real lucky there <laughs> no kidding no kidding that's a lucky man <laughs> <laughs> that poor snake's like dang man these occupants are hostile <laughs> Like, oh, <laughs> can't get quality Listen. accommodations up in here. <laughs> God, I was just, just wanted to borrow some sugar, okay? <laughs> just, like, I didn't need all this. I didn't need, I'll be on my way. Okay, I'll be on my way. Don't mind me.
0: <laughs> Fine, then.
1: Fine, oh, then. Yes. Oh, yes. That ain't
0: right. That, that is funny. ain't right. Andrew, take us out.
1: That sure as hell ain't right. <laughs> Oh, Man, you said it's
0: occupied.
1: occupied. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs>
0: <sighs> All right. That was awesome. Wow. That ain't right. Yeah. We got us a new jingle, Reed.
1: New jingle d- up in uh, here. This is, this is exciting. So don't expect that jingle to go anywhere nope. anytime soon. Nope. That, was, uh, that, that is entrenched. It lodged itself into my brain, so it lodged itself onto our pod. Ooh, um, that's funny. Okay, so... We've we've kind of uh, you know tap slid danced it, around slid it. it
0: around the box,
1: <laughs> but um, but this is I mean it's a, it's it's a harrowing and 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 pretty heavy film. Now I'm going to ask. This is not sort of my formal question. Mm. Um, I don't even know if we'll get to my my more formal question. But like, did you? I began to pick up through the course of this. I'm about to posit what I found as a metaphor. Okay. And so my question to you is, do you think this is a metaphor the film is intentionally trying for? And if you think it might be, how well do you think the metaphor and works? this is not and the here's, formal question? <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. It's just off the cuff, actually. Okay. is because I was picking up on this metaphor of, obviously, the film is called Buried, right? and he is literally buried in a mm-hmm. coffin. But he is also metaphorically buried under the gravity and the weight of... A bunch of implied and directly stated circumstances he is uh you know somewhat financially dependent to the degree that like he you know he has to take a job like this he has 70 dollars in his savings account um he, he says that a little bit later and then also through the course of the film the Machinations that are required to get him to, you know, to get him any help, to get him any understanding. Like, it just, it, there's just this ton of stuff that keeps piling on bureaucracy, political unrest. Uh, he, he talks at one point, like, directly confronts the FBI agent over the phone about, like, if I was some diplomat, I'd be out of here in like five minutes, but I'm nobody. I'm nobody, so you can take your time. And so, my question to you is genuinely, like, do you think, that they were also trying to imply this sense of being buried under the weight of all this political and uh, bureaucratic constructs that he also comes up against in his fight to get free of this coffin. So, A, do you think that is a metaphor they were going for intentionally? And B, if, you know, whether or not they were, do you think that's something that works pretty well in the film? Or, or
0: you know, basically, how do you respond to something like that? Hmm. Um... I mean, basically, what you said is: is this a thoughtful filmmaker or not? <laughs> I mean, you could have cut out at
1: least forty-five of
0: your words, read, and just basically. Like <laughs> does does it work as metaphor? Like, well, I mean, metaphor is in the eye of the beholder. Read, some things mean nothing, but everything can mean something. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I I sure I think it's fair to both apply, it's absolutely fair to apply a literal meaning and perhaps a figurative one. I also know just from a script construct standpoint, you need a reason this person keeps getting deflected, so obstacles have to True. be put in his path, and if we want to say those are metaphorical items that bury you, sure. Um, layers upon what, yeah. Can I redirect what yeah. is... I'm going to use your metaphor and raise you Maybe serious, I don't Mm -hmm. know. Because, and this is a bit of a half-formed thought, even though I've written some things down. So, we may have never, and and good lord, hopefully never will be in any approximate scenario as poor Paul here. God, yeah, hope not. But I'm curious ways we connect to his experience, and when when you. When you do dig under the surface, as we try to do here, and maybe I am importing to weighty at gravity, but but maybe not because I don't totally know how to put what I'm feeling to specific words. But there's a weird way that in reflecting on buried, it did make me feel a little bit of something about the era we're living in, specifically from the standpoint of the need for human touch and contact mm. and how what happens now. Now here's a metaphor as well. You have this person who is literally isolated whose only means of communication is a screen mm. who every person he reaches out to is either an obstacle actively disbelieves him. There's there's a lack of, integrity of communication which is a phrase i just came up with like like he is in dire straits he is in a desperate scenario and everyone he's reaching out to deflects rejects in the person of the personnel guy the work all right thing Mm -hmm. or disbelieves or actively wills his harm until he is literally buried and i don't know about you and your life um i told my wife the other night I was like, I am so tired of looking at my phone. Mm. And mm. yes, I do that for, for quote unquote, leisure, leisure implies intentionality and relaxation. I don't know that that's the case, but I do it for non work related reasons, but I, I'm on it a lot for work too. I, I, you know, whether it's GPS usage or, or we have a CRM system, that's, that's an app on my phone. And so point being, I'm just on it a lot and I started to notice, I'm like, Man, I am so sick of staring at this thing, yeah. and yet here it is. And I'm kind of fortunate, like my work permits me a, a decent amount of of human to human kind of contact. Mm. I'll frame it to you this way: today, I met with this person in a it was ostensibly a sales scenario, me to this homeowner, and I was like after this 2 hour time i was like this is why i enjoyed doing what i do- what i do this pair of women it's a gay couple and i just learned about their life and the 3 years they spent in an rv and the 3 years they spent in ohio and how they oh, own wow. they own this home that was built in the 40s here in charlotte and just they've moved back into it and are trying to upgrade it now and so it i just came away really refreshed and like right. what a lovely right. You know, who knows if if it'll turn into a transaction, but that's kind of not the point and or or kind of is the point, which is. How much of our life when it is in isolation and mediated solely through device becomes transactional, like Mm -hmm. he is literally looking for a transaction. I need to buy my life out of here, whatever. Right. You know, whether that's currency related or not, whatever. Sure. Right. You know, he's he's. He's willing to make this ransom tape or whatever they call it. I don't remember the phrasing for it, but yeah, you know, this, right, right, this right. tape, uh, solely to get out. And, and so the point I'm driving at is simply when literally starved or even metaphorically starved of connection, of contact, of human touch, of human interaction, what that can do to us mm. in a figurative that turns into a literal sense. You know, we, right? We become right. we run out of oxygen. Oh you know? wow! Right, um, right. And, mm-hmm. and and how much? And and I'm 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 actually not pointing any sort of particular finger at the quote unquote system or this or that, the military, America. That you know, I don't even saying that. I'm simply saying the desperate need we have for connection and intimacy and truthfulness of contact non-transactional right connection i don't know that's just kind of where i'm running with in terms of how i connected to buried
1: yeah and i feel like so that is one thing in a general sense i think the film's construct does work in perhaps several metaphorical ways because i think everything that you just said I mean it's their it's there present in the film. Yes, there are very practical perhaps superficial is the right word, life and death stakes to life his and death plight. <laughs> wow, <laughs> yes. Um to the plight that he has to overcome. That's uh that's very real, but also his sense of um coming to terms with what brought him here, you know, like All of the different factors that put him into this position that now he he literally can't get out of uh, on his own. And I think. I struggle a lot with the whole what is transactional and what is not, because. It is really easy, I think. To view relational things as transactional because of how much give and take they require, like. I guess I would, I would, I would pivot back to this because, because let's, let's sit on this for a second about this transactional idea is the question I'm leading with. And then I'll, I'll, I'll sort of unpack some of my thoughts is what defines transactional? What, what makes it merely transactional? Because one of the things that I'm thinking about is I'm like, well, things that are relational in nature still involve a certain give and take and they still involve a certain perhaps unspoken set of rules of engagement uh that you know should not be violated if you want the relationship to continue in health and fullness uh you don't betray each other's trusts you don't act in abusive and denigrating ways so i guess i'm i'm Taking what you're saying and saying like, yeah, you you run out of oxygen, you get yourself positioned in this place that is merely transactional. And I guess I'm wondering where the line of demarcation is there that says like, OK, well, now suddenly you've crossed over into something that is no longer buoyed by relational substance and is merely transactional. And how do we get there? How does it how do we find ourselves in uh, that state and what defines that when it's reached that point um do you want me to explore a little bit or, or, or does my question make sense
0: um no i i think that sort of makes sense and i'll answer with a story oh okay i love story time <sighs> so uh the other, so my wife and i aren't really watching anything together these days not intentionally so just life is extremely full in a lot of different directions and so uh, the thought of because it's usually her deferring to me. Oh, what do you have an interest in Nathan? I'll sort of partner with you in that. And maybe I'll, you know, enjoy it ultimately. Right. And so, right, right, right. right. And it sounds like I'm not, maybe it sounds like I'm not answering your question, but the other night our kids are out of town for the week. uh, So the house is particularly quiet in a way it hasn't been in a while. And it was like, I don't know, 8 PM. And we sat down and I was like, do you want to watch anything? And she's like, well, I, this is the song and dance we play out, you know, is there something you're interested in? It's like, well, I mean, nothing like urgent or sure, pressing or yeah. that I know mm-hmm. you would enjoy. And so everything feels like a, a, a jumping off a cliff as it were. And so I would say there was, there's a moment there that was a little bit transactional, like, okay, well, I don't want right, that. Of course. And so sure, this yeah. really cool thing happened and maybe a note for all the, married folk out there definitely was a learning moment for me was we just started chatting and it wasn't about mm, the mm. calendar. It wasn't about money. It wasn't about kids. Yeah. It wasn't about TV. We we've got some, some pressing medical related things going on around us. It wasn't about any of that. It was just, how are you feeling about X or what's going on in your heart, in your spirit, or right? In your mind, Right. And I guess that's, very lovely. that's what I would sort of say to you. And when I say the metaphor of Paul in the box here is there's no one to join him yeah. or no one he can join, you know, like yeah, right. it, it stands mm. to reason. No, one would want to join him, but it also we a joining should happen for this using this language for this to no longer be transactional you know, a, a, a joining of him to someone else in a less state of despair or direness or someone joining him saying, I'm, I am here with you in this hell, you know? And so I guess that's to me, when I think what is the difference between transactional and, and perhaps we can use the word transformational it's, it's when there isn't a thing attempting to be bartered. There's mm, just a thing mm, attempting to be lived alongside like, yeah, you know, right. in my scenario at home, it's well, there's a little bit of bartering when we're talking about my wife trading her time for a show or, or whatever that I'm not positive. True. You know, agreed. Yes. Versus, yeah, agreed. well, we'll just start talking. You know, that is yes. Engagement and connection and, and relational in the sense that I would yeah. sort of describe it. I don't know if that addresses what you're
1: asking. It- it does. In fact, I'll um, I'll reciprocate with a similar story that, um, you know, my, there is a relationship in my in my life and my family specifically that um, used to be or at least I used to consider it somewhat substantive and um, time and and unfortunately some cultural shifts and some um, some differences of opinion about. A multitude of different things have positioned that relationship to be awkward and a bit more stilted uh, in this recent year, and I'm talking about something you know in my life. And um, I can remember intoning to someone that I was uncertain how we would have a conversation after this. And my wife, uh, lovingly and and honestly, was saying, "Well, you yeah you'll just, you'll just have a superficial conversation." And uh, she had to point that out to me a couple of different times where she said, no, you'll just have a superficial conversation. And I finally, and this is what your story brought to mind. I finally turned to her and I said, I think that's my point is I don't consider it a conversation if it is superficial. I consider it a an exchange, right? It's an exchange of dialogue. You know, it is a uh, a give and take of the moment to pass through things. But but
0: in my... Yes. Well, and almost, <laughs> if I can put a fine point on that, if if we're trying to figure out the transaction that's happening there, you're buying each other's silence. Basically. You yes. Know, yes. You're, you're saying, yeah. I'm willing to trade you these soft, shallow words for you to do the same because Correct. because the human part feels a bit buried.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> no, absolutely. And, and would require uh, some work. To dig out and expose mm-hmm. and and might require and uh, listen, I get it. There are times, you know, that they'll tell you in relationship counseling or relationship books will often tell you like one of the worst things that can happen to uh, specifically a marital relationship. But I think it's true probably of any relationship is when you are not willing to fight anymore,
0: mm-hmm. like mm-hmm.
1: when No, it's not good and it's toxic when all you do is fight. Absolutely, that should be uh, a big red flag and you should get that worked on in terms of just basic communication skills. But if you reach the point to where you're like, I am tired of fighting, so rather than talking or engaging at all, I am going to just not bring up the things that will cause a fight. And that's where things get super... Uh, very shallow and, and, and incredibly superficial where it's just like, yeah, no, we're just, we're just not going to talk anymore. And that, that's, that's kind of the death rattle for a relationship. Again, it's usually in the context of marriage, but I think would apply to any sort of intimate familial relationship that you have is just like, yeah, once you've reached that point to where you're like, I just don't want to fight about this. So because I don't want to fight about this, Mm -hmm. then, um, and I also should throw a lantern on the fact of like that may be true of a subject that just proves sure. consistently yeah. volatile. Yeah. Um and it might be wise at that point to sort of maybe that subject is not something is not somewhere we can healthily go in a moment. Um but when that just becomes the condition of the relationship, then yeah, everything gets very plastic and everything gets very uh surfacey and who you really are is trapped under again uh, leaning on the metaphor of the movie but it's trapped under layers and layers and layers and layers of things that you do not have the you do not have the ability to break through them you don't have the leverage to break through them uh you're running you, you, it it's it's choking out any possibility of that ever breaking free um and i do think there's a way that it's easy for us <laughs> On this podcast that gets published on Apple Podcasts, um, to rail against the devices and to rail against the ways in which, specifically social media, but I think just technology and digital space in general, has caused us to have to redefine how we fit in with physical, tangible spaces. You know, Um, and I think that's can I
0: throw at you? I'm so sorry. Um, Yeah. what I heard there, so this may not have been what you're saying, is hey, we're using the same mechanisms. I do think it matters. A difference matters when uh, you and I are overcoming a limitation, which is a literal, okay, physical space can't be occupied on a regular basis. To, sure, right, yes, of course. At least endeavor to have transformational human contact. that can sort of be listened in on, which happens to be a podcast format. So I, to me, there is something different than exercising a tool in service of humanness. And what, to be frank, as someone who even does this occasionally, still predominantly in the social media, digital space is usually just, is, is not intending transformational humanness. It is intending, transactional one-upmanship and, and, and yeah, that I agree totally yeah, I that, that space. It's like, eh, you know,
1: no, I think that's a, I think that's a fair, uh, pushback. So I'm not going to share, uh, which listener said this, they will, Whew. they will know it when they, <laughs> okay. they, they will know it when they hear it. But, uh, a listener that, uh, reached out specifically to me, uh, not that long ago shared something that I found very humbling and, and that I share in this moment with affection it's probably going to sound for a second a bit self-aggrandizing. I do not intend it to. Oh, boy. To. I, I, there's it, it a whole was, lot of. No, lot I know. Of there's all these, different, all these different layers to try to break through. So let me just say what was said. Um, a listener reached out, again, for the sake of their confidence uh, in case they wouldn't want it known. I won't say who it was, but know that I would give you a shout-out if you would want one. Um, is Basically, they reached out and they said, No, in listening to you and Nathan, uh, your conversations feel safe and i thought they weren't saying they feel safe as in y'all aren't willing to challenge each other but just that you and i in the relationship that we've cultivated over a couple of decades that we are safe to challenge each other we are safe to sort of you know fool around in terms of like we can be silly and we can be serious we're a power couple we're a power couple occupied no. but <laughs> but what they were <laughs> exact wow what they were expressing was Um, and, and, and specifically in the, in the sense that they felt, um, at least confident enough to reach out because of hearing our relational engagement. So they felt like maybe these will be safe people to reach out and perhaps be a bit vulnerable. Again, I don't want that to come off self-aggrandizing. I was very humbled by the compliment. It is something that we strive for. I feel like you and I just as people strive for this uh to to be people that want to cherish real and substantive conversations sure. not yeah. um not connections that are purely oh good go uh, go measure the clicks or go whatever like no but to cultivate like hey if we are I have no
0: idea what that was a reference to but
1: Oh, uh, just like um, oh
0: oh clicks as in web we're, we're, web surfing. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yes. web surfing. Yeah I yeah was like, yeah. We're not just the, what? Huh?
1: It's like I don't think I've ever talked to anybody about the show just to get numbers on the show, and I say that in full sincerity. Right. I don't think whenever whenever I've said, "Hey, check our show out," I, believe me or not, listener. I don't think I have ever shared it with somebody to be like, oh, great, they'll start listening. And that's one more person going to start. It's listening. funny you
0: say that. So my brother who was on with us on Cobra Kai, um, he and I were chatting recently. And, and again, if you recall from that conversation, if you listen to it, my brother is in pastoral ministry in rural Georgia. Um, you know, I am progressive by most middle of the road christian standards he might be a little progressive by rural georgia standards uh but nonetheless he was he was telling me about this younger guy and you know i'm 41 he's 43 so younger is a bit relative probably mid-20s ish about this young guy in the church that was that's just kind of quirky and really into like Genre stuff, in horror movies, and and <laughs> yeah, how he was so trying yeah. to, you know, just kind of have some some connection with this guy. And I was like, did you tell him about the show? And he's like. Nah i didn't even think about that i should have done that like yeah you should have done that like we're his people yeah. he is looking for that's people right. and he needs people and he can't find them where he's at and tell him come on over anyway and here we are yes and the water's you. fine yeah you know like <laughs> exactly. yes it may be red yeah. and murky and there's something swimming around under it but it's fine come on in that's true, that's um, true. but that's to true. your point yes it's like you know the people who are going to be appealed to by us are it's a niche we, we we've got a yeah
1: but I think, and and to get it back in, because cause, sure. yeah, it it it's like uh you know to bring it out of the navel gazing and to actually like because the reason that I bring something like that up and to connect all of these you know these tissues of things that we're um trying to sort of dance with is you know what we do here and and how I want to live my life is about cultivating community mm-hmm. and that became very important to me to to operate perhaps digitally when the global pandemic sort of sent us all to our homes, you know, and I, and, and you do crave the ability, you know, things are getting a little bit easier. Now we have been able in recent weeks to sort of get together with one or two couples who, you know, just, I mean, for what this is worth, you know, my family is vaccinated and we got together with a couple of other vaccinated people. And uh, so that felt really nice to just be in the same space. Uh, you know, we felt safe and, and that was, that was just our uh, construct, sure. but, but it has become more and more important to me at this phase that I am in life, whether that be through technology, which you and I are certainly using technology right this very minute and inviting in a very sort of odd, absurdist way, inviting other people to listen in on this conversation and also inviting like, hey, this is this is about cultivating a community of connection of, uh, you know, just some dots in. On the spectrum that we might be able to say like, hey, uh, you know, I relate to that or I can understand sure. that. Yeah. That's an entry point where now suddenly I maybe feel seen, maybe feel heard or maybe can be seen or heard, etc. And that is something that, you know, I find really vital in the time that we're living in to be able to make. That substantive because I have real flesh and blood relationships in my life where these people don't know me and I'm not trying to make this like a big therapy session, but I have expressed this to you, my friend and to other friends who with whom I felt safe enough to open this up to that there are people in my life who time served have known me significantly longer than some of the friends I have in my life. And yet the friends who may have only known me for a few years know me with significantly greater intimacy than these people who have just shared the same space of my life. And a lot of the difference is the ability to have a good conversation, the ability to see and know one another with substance. And yes, getting back to the film, he was put here through completely circumstantial issues. Um, And I don't know... I honest to God don't know if I get the impression from the film that his termination from CRT was a complete fabrication. That may or may not be true. Like, I think you could read that moment as, what yes, he really was. What I mean is they accuse him of having an affair with another coworker. Oh, yeah. That's what they, yeah. in so many words, yes. accuse it.
0: They created a the paper film, trail. Yeah.
1: Right. And I don't think the film definitively answers whether he's guilty of that or not. I I think it's at least a little bit ambiguous. I think it's perfectly valid to read it and say like, yeah, he had an affair and they caught him, and so this is a problem. But he never owns up to it in the thing. He, uh, while he's on it, he's like, we're just friends. We're just friends. So I honestly yeah. don't know how far that relationship went. Um, so it could be a fabrication that the you know company leaned onto to get out of paying the insurance claim, or it yes. could be that it was a legitimate thing. No. Yeah, that's that. I mean, yes, yeah, yeah. So, um. But, but where I'm going with all of that is uh, these even something like that is commodified in the circumstances that he's in, right. That maybe all he shared and this is what I want this is my interpretation of the film, that maybe all he shared was this was a coworker who happened to be female, with, with, he, with which he shared perhaps a fully platonic, but friendly, you know, interaction and camaraderie. And, um, because I certainly get the impression that he genuinely loves his wife. There's nothing in the film to leave me to believe that he doesn't genuinely love his wife. And that gets commodified by this company with, for whom he works. Mm -hmm. And it gets, you know, treated for its transactional leverage. And that's the way it gets, uh, sort of positioned inside the film. And so I think the, while this does not necessarily, seem like the obvious place to go for a film like this. I do feel like there's a lot to think about in terms of the way we get buried under layers of life, layers of systems, layers of technology, layers of uh, hurts and wounds that we didn't share or that we haven't resolved and we haven't addressed. And then suddenly we just get positioned too far underneath all of those things where we get a bit desperate to reach out for connection but have have lost the reach to really even get to to somebody, we can't even can't even do anything about it. Anyway, that's
0: well. They, I mean, I feel like you're you're articulating, you know, kind of exactly what was sort of speaking out to me there is that when you know, and, and 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 there's maybe a place to go here, however far or not, but like he has nothing left to transact. There's nothing. Yeah, he is not. He is literally not worth anything. to those that he interacts with in this film. Um, You know, it's whether you want to be as reductive as corporate enterprise, um, a a government entity. um, You know, surely, I imagine, we're not meant to believe the wife doesn't want him home. I don't mean to imply that. I just mean... No, of course, yeah. Those who might be able to help him because all they've viewed him as whether as just a cog in their corporate machine or as an invisible, nondescript citizen out in the world doing what producers do. And by yeah, producers, I mean, economically, these are things, yeah, these, are, these are enterprises that have not seen them. And so that's what I simply mean by we have to, we have to find ways we have to. It's hard as hell, man. It is hard to, to not, put on the lenses of transaction. Like what can this person, what can this situation, what can this experience do for me? Like that is very difficult because everything around us screams that it, because quote unquote, everyone's doing it, that that is an okay method of operating in the world when all it does is leaves us isolated. It leaves us alone. It leaves us unconnected, untethered, uh, maybe dead. Um, you know, I, another little story here, I shared this with you, but it's worth and, and, and relevant here. I had a real little mini crisis recently of kind of spirit where this will surprise no one, but during the election season, we had a Biden Harris sign in our yard and, and you know, like in a previous era that would have just been seen as like, Oh yeah, you're, 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 you voted for that person. Like it's not, you're in that camp. Yeah. It didn't 10 years ago. Didn't mean like what we've assigned these things these days. Yeah. But a few instances with immediate neighbors in the recent weeks and months, just I don't know. I became very self-conscious of how even something that I would consider so banal as that sign due to affect in this instance my kids' social interactions with peers in their neighborhood, and so so really sent me in this kind of internal just you know place this this buried place internally where I was yeah. like, man, are we are we? Because you know, Charlotte's a very metropolitan city, but there's a lot of rural areas we, we occupy or live in a semi-rural area. You know, like we, we are going to be the more left-leaning folk around us and, and and just started feeling alone. Started feeling isolated and alone, honestly. Yeah. And right, and, right. and 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 worried about how those actions may be imperceptibly affecting your kids kind of thing and yeah. literally dude i was we'd gone to get chick-fil-a i brought it home it was me and my wife and and mother-in-law and for some reason the kids oh they were maybe at my parents or something I, <laughs> you'll love this i was mad because there wasn't the fries i ordered in the bag when i got the bag <laughs> in the house i was like what the <laughs> f-? dead commit so we'll drive it back there right now. i literally <laughs> went out the car to look for the receipt that i knew was in the car while i'm in the car or while I'm walking to the car, this family walks up my driveway, like mom and dad, three kids, and they're like, hey, one of your kids goes to one of our kids' schools. We just noticed her at the bus stop kind of thing. Right, right. We wanted to come say hello, and, and, and they live like a street over. And I don't know how long it's been, Reed, since you've met new people. Mm -hmm. Uh, it had felt like it's been quite a while based on how my heart responded to this experience. I would agree with that. You're meeting this new family and in your own mind, you're kind of, you're not judging. I don't mean that, but as in, you're just assessing everything. Like, are they, could they, are they, do they, (laughs) do they like me? Check, check yes or no, you know? Right. Um, Yeah. 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 But this really lovely kind of time happened. Our kids weren't even there, but my wife came out and we introduced ourselves to this family who'd walked up to meet us by way of these school interactions and we just hung out in the front yard for about an hour our our youngest was here that was it so the four-year-old was here so mm, she was playing mm. with their kids in the front yard and we just you know we learned from we're from have similar sort of geographical backgrounds kind of thing and just a few intersections that were really unique and kind of like huh that's cool that, that we share that right and, right, and right. yes i did that thing where after we spent that hour together i look them up i'm like please god let 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 (laughs) let him let him i don't i don't need like lockstep simpatico worldview i just need something that's a little more close to my train uh, and yes, sure enough, course. like I looked up the wife's and it had a Black Lives Matter thing on her face. But like, mm, oh, mm. yeah, <laughs> I, I, I screenshotted Why it and sent it, it? it to my wife, and she's like, "I think I'm gonna cry." And I'm like, "I know, <laughs> I know." But point being, oh this need we have—ignore all the particularities of the politics of what I just said—because the point of the story is simply this need we have for just solidarity of of, of humanness and like this thing that is endemic to what it means to be alive, what it means to be, I think faithful, what it means to be human to just, to just see in another person community and communion and fellowship and be like, huh, wow, I could, I could share some life with this person and it not be rejected or refused or deflected or, 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 Disbelieved, even you know, which is what Paul right, encounters in right. every turn. In this film, anyway. I, I don't know if that makes any sense yeah. or feels contextual. No,
1: it no, it makes tr- it makes tremendous sense. Um, and honestly, well, it's it's funny. I just want to i I just want to yes and amen the the feeling, the sensibility that you described there. And I uh I want to share what it rose up in me, though. What it rose up in me might pivot for a moment a bit more, like not sermonizing but but d- distinctly more of a of a general sense of spirituality mm-hmm. so if i if i if i can share something there as you were talking and uh the sort of these this this outcry of the heart to receive connection yeah. this outcry of the heart you know to 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 be seen and be known and i don't know i don't know what made me think this but i just very quickly typed in um to to look up isaiah 40 so that i could read it um because this is So I'm going to read a passage of scripture and then I'm going to unpack what it made me think of in context for this. And I will sort of launch pad off of this. We've been talking about this film Buried where this man gets buried alive. There's tons of layers. He's desperately reaching out for somebody to find him see him free him and then you know keeps getting barricaded at every turn there was i'm not asking this question but one of the questions that i was going to intend uh, you know to possibly bring up is what value does sorry hold when you can't do anything about it because so many people say to Mm -hmm. paul in this film i'm sorry paul but like you know, what value really does does saying i'm sorry hold but one of the things that when you were talking about you know finding this connection with some neighbors and sort of like oh maybe there's something to, maybe I won't be rejected here mm-hmm, maybe mm, maybe mm-hmm. m- maybe I'll be received yeah. you know may- maybe this will be well and this passage in Isaiah that I'm about to read stood out to me and there's there's work I have said this before I think I've said it on the show I've definitely said it on Facebook um, but it is becoming more important to me where I've I've identified where I've said like. I think some people are always in their faith trying to keep people out and some people are always trying to find ways to let people in. And I feel like that's just sort of in general the camps that sort of break down in theological and spiritual and relational thought. Mm-hmm. Some some people are always looking for ways to to build walls and maybe other people are looking for ways to build bridges, to quote Chadwick Boseman, mm-hmm. Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Um, you bombay. But I'm, <laughs> I'm going to read this passage of scripture. Um, and then hopefully share my thoughts without too much emotion uh, and hopefully with a lot of clarity. So Isaiah 40, uh, beginning at the first verse, it says, comfort, comfort, mm-hmm. my people, yes. says your God, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, which is I'm going to pause the scripture reading for a second. This is invoked also in the gospel of John, referring to John the Baptist. But verse 3 of Isaiah 40, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And what is pinging in me very specifically and why I'm reading this, prepare the way for the Lord and make straight in the desert a highway for our God. There's work that we can, and again, I'm talking in spiritual context, but I think it works in my heart and imagination as well in relational context. Like the work to clear the path is what I'm talking about. Like the work... To dig away the dirt, the work to dig away the layers and make and, and the scriptural visual references every valley raised up, mm-hmm. every mountain and hill brought low, the ground shall be made level, the, uh, you know, the rugged places suddenly a plain. What, what, put in this way and put in the context of the film Buried, what once was saturated with obstacles is now mm. wide open. Mm-hmm. And what once was full of treacherous sort of things to overcome has now been cleared and i think about that work and in this moment what's rising up in my heart is that yeah there that like there is a certain sort of spiritual conviction to to dig away the layers and i feel like a lot of times pivoting back to why i brought up my sorry question we're content to just i'm i'm sorry you know, I'm just sorry. And it feels sometimes like we are unwilling. And I don't want to overly burden people who are like, geez, Reed, I'm feeling buried myself. Like, look, I get it. I right, get it. Right. There, are t- sure. there are days I feel buried. Like, God, there are days I want to be found. You know, there's an old Andrew o. Singa song. Jesus, mm. you're going to have to come get me because it's too far to run tonight. You know, oh, and that's a good song. That is such a good song, you know, uh, there's an angel on my left shoulder and 10 devils on my right. Jesus, you'll have to come get me cause it's too far to walk tonight. And, and I feel like there's this, there's, there is this burden that is placed upon us that, you know, I see you Nathan and I, and, and, and I'm just going to use you and I, because we're the ones in conversation here. I see you and I see that Damn it! You're buried right now. Is there anything that I can do to dig away these layers? And maybe that all that is is just I see you. I see you, and I know we were having a conversation. I'm not going to get hyper political here, but it, it it breaks my heart to hear this. We we're having a conversation with some friends, and without getting into too many vulnerable specifics, these friends were sharing that uh, they they had a member of their family who was really in love with Jesus. And they say that without the, you know, without all of the trappings of superficiality. They were really in love with Jesus. Uh, they were also gay and they were going to be going to a Bible camp so that they could learn more about Jesus. And this friend who was sharing this story began to cry in front of us and said, Dear God, please, the, the person they were referring to is 14 years old. And they began to cry and say, "Dear God, please don't let that baby encounter anything that is going to make them think Jesus is not ready to receive them with open arms." Right. And they began to cry and kind of say, "Like I really just worry for them as they navigate this space." That again, getting back to language I used earlier, that that a bunch of people are going to be raising mountains and making plain yep. paths yes. rugged and 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 creating valleys and everything. When I feel like our call and i feel like the burden that is placed upon us is to prepare the way for the lord that in in to borrow specifically isaiah's scriptural uh-huh. language to prepare the way of the lord to to see you are you are buried under layers and layers and layers what can i do to get my hands dirty maybe and dig you out of that and that's not safe work and that's very um, difficult I remember the the often quoted thing that Martin Luther King would talk about when he preached about the story of the Good Samaritan he said the question is not what will happen to me if I stop and help this man the question is what will happen to him if I don't mm-hmm. and, and I feel like a lot of times in this fight that we have to see each other and to be seen that it is sometimes hard work to sort of dig up the layers um in in this film paul becomes increasingly more desperate to find somebody like it's heartbreaking yes it's got a practical narrative purpose but how many times in the phone he screams help me mm-hmm. help me what mm-hmm. are you doing to help me please help me he doesn't have to, he's he's stuck in this situation he 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 is unable to help himself and i feel like we are a lot of us in this place where we are desperate for connection, desperate for community, desperate for Christ and desperate for God to to feel. And I, I I summarize those things together because of the passage of Scripture that I like. It's like that's that's so much what we crave is to is to for the rugged paths to be made plain and smooth and for all of us to witness his glory perhaps in each other but definitely to see it together and uh, and that's something that i feel like is a burden we too ch- too often will trade it transactionally for the opportunity to be right or the opportunity to be good or just the opportunity to acknowledge i'm so sorry uh, and then just wash our hands clean and uh move on down the path and so so many of these things are just sort of bouncing around in my head as I'm one one trying to one last note
0: for me that that feels pertinent in the moment and and then we can end or or you know drown in sand um <laughs> or maybe who knows maybe we're the snake and we just slither away um <laughs> occupied oh my gosh uh no vacancy um uh it's funny i really I really love I love that image that uh, uh, to say a metaphor feels too shallow, but that the job is to make a straight path, to to, to raise the valleys and to lower the mountains so that all mm. know they're, they're they're, their their possessive their T H E I R, they're welcome. Uh, it's funny. I, I, I (laughs) I'm going to point to a landmine and talk about it for a second. Oh boy. And then we'll walk to the end around it. Uh, I have a colleague who is this super crazy sports head, like, like nuts sports person and also is like an old man with social media. And every now and then I'll see, you know, how I hate how Facebook does it, but it does this where it's like, like this person posted to this public post that has nothing to me like it. Um, you aren't this, but let's say you are a quiche fan and you <laughs> posted to to quiche recipe of the day. And I saw it. I'm like, well, I mean, I know Reed and I love Reed, but I don't really care that you post to the the quiche page. Right. right, Why are you telling me about his quiche love? Right. Well, this happened, but it was this person and it was an article about trans women playing professional sports. Oh, okay. Okay. And, and what's, what's unfortunate is this is a person who, in a, a number of ways, we're relatively simpatico, but, because of his his passion about sports and maybe some misguided worldviews he was posting on this thing and it was like um you know absolutely not you know uh trans testosterone this these these very unfortunately reductive arguments about trans women in professional sports and where i'm going with this is keeping the valleys low and the mountains high because I had purely by happenstance, I had I had read an article and I'd listened to a podcast about this exact subject because yeah. Yeah. ignore the issue of trans rights. But if we aren't actively trying to understand and comprehend the issues, our brothers and sisters of any minority group or majority group or going through we're doing a disservice to them so i needed to kind of understand just like what is the conversation here of course and i sent one of those to him and i said because because i had seen his post i brought up just in casual conversation hey you know i read this thing you might be interested in it and he totally was like uh -uh, nope and and then subsequent to that i'd read something separate so i'd read a thing and listened to a podcast well i sent the podcast to him and i said listen i Listen to this if you don't. It's worth. If, if you're going to have an opinion on this. And you're going to blast it. To social media. P.S. It kind of matters mm-hmm. to like. Comprehend a little bit. And and I know that's a really. Uh, um Flashpoint kind of subject to bring up. But the point is simply. Like. You can't. Mm, you're absolutely not. Doing the work of the Lord. If your actions continue deepening valleys and heightening mountains like, yeah, yeah. Right. And, and, and and so I just love that metaphor, that, that imagery of like, whether it's for my own peace of mind, peace of spirit so that I know best how to interact with brothers and sisters who aren't like me, like Mm -hmm. the work Mm -hmm. is making straight the path for my, my spirit to have some freedom from transaction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For others mm. whose not spirits but active bodies are transgressed against by lit- mm. literal means uh, yeah, and, right. and collective means implemented against them. Anyway, my point is simply, I really love that. And that's hard. That's hard. It's hard to. It's hard work. Right. To maintain that sort of energy of like, okay, you know, am I. Am I actively making this harder for someone? Mm.
1: Oh God.
0: Like let it, let it never.
1: Oh God. Like that hit me so hard. Like let it, let it never be said of me that I made it harder for someone to either recognize that Jesus loved them or to know that, you know, like, or to find Jesus or anything like sure. that. Like, not that it's my, not that it's my responsibility to make sure that they do and not it's my, you know, none of that. But please, God, let it never be said that I made it harder. Yeah. Um. I mean, like that, like, I want to make it easier. Right. Like, I do. I want to make it easier. And there's going to be some who are sitting there like, oh, is that, you know, uh, very superficial kind of... No, the- if you think any of this is superficial, you are not listening. And I know that is a bold statement, but I won't apologize for it. If you think any of what I just said is... I'll, I'll quote... Talking him- <laughs> to me. I'm, I'm good, quote- <laughs> I was good. No, I know. I'll quote-, I'll quote John... No, no, no. I know I, I was talking to the proverbial, you know, yeah. like, you know, all of the, the- whatever the context was. You're right. You yeah. know, that's-, that's right. But the... Um, but I was, you know, John Locke arguing back to Jack, like, why do you think this is so easy? It's never, never been, been easy. easy, Jack. I know, you know, and it's like there's so much power in that realization, like, this is not easy. This is not easy. But I would love, I would love it if I got to the end of a conversation. I would love it if I got to the end of an exploration, if I got to the end of a thought, if I got to the end of the walk or or, or any version of conclusion or parting ways of something. And to feel in that moment that for an inch, I made it a little bit easier mm-hmm. for somebody to know that they were loved, that they were seen, that they were heard, and that there was a God who cared deeply for their fearful and wonderful maidenness, and that there was a tremendous degree of overwhelming and unbridled love and affection for who he made them to be. And and I feel like if I could just center myself around that, that's just like, maybe for an inch, I made it easier. Sure. Like- I can't knock down... Go ahead.
0: I was going to say is in the spirit of the movie, like unbury, do the work of unburying each other and people of yourself. Hell, you know?
1: Yes. And, and, and maybe that was part, God, I keep going. But like, you know, Jesus said, you could say to that mountain, be cast into the sea and it'll obey you, you know? And, and I, we use that context so much in terms of like, Ooh, what can I accomplish in my life for me? But I'm like, man, in the context of this, Something like that, there is a, you know, saying to the proverbial you, there is a mountain in your way of, of recognizing and seeing how much you are loved, how deeply you are loved. And if I could, with the, with the power of the Holy Spirit in my bone marrow, if I could say to that mountain, be removed and cast into the say, man, would I? God, would I? And, and, and that is something that I get as evidenced by the last 15 seconds of my voice rising. Like that's,
0: that's something but I if would you're taking, incredibly but, but I mean, feel empowered, lackey. <laughs> if you're taking the metaphor, you're, if you're, if you're bridging the gap between these two, say to this mountain, be cast into the sea, married to Isaiah, which is make, make low every mountain you mm-hmm. can, mm-hmm. you can yes. say to the person who is buried, be unburied friend. Come along. Be, be, Mm. I I condescend to you so that we can rise together. Mm. Mm. Be unburied. Good God. Like in the name of Jesus, I I do not say that flippantly in the name of Jesus be unburied because of how much work the world, the systems of the world antagonists in general, uh, have, have done to bury others. That is the act of making straight. The path is you, person in the world i see your humanness be unburied from the things that would render you unhuman mm. Um, mm. we gotta get out we gotta get out of here <laughs> oh my gosh i could like
1: <laughs> land on this thing and like i could go for another hour oh my god um it's very this is this is enlivening to my spirit It it is it is lifting to me i, I don't feel under the weight of this movie mm. anymore <laughs> i feel like this movie is given an you opportunity to exhumed me. I am exhumed. Yes, I am exhumed. That's the and you know what? Exhumed mm. is exhumed is the uh, right word. But God, I love the phrasing of "be unburied." Un- oh, "unburied" yeah, has a nice yeah, like. "Unburied" has a nice like pop to it. Yeah. It does. It's very. It's very poetic. Um, so, you want to explain the fog meter to everybody for about this film?
0: Uh, the fog <laughs> meter is our is our particular metric of uh, uh, what? Oh. Um,
1: The (laughs) (laughs) is our
0: particular metric utilizing fear and God how scary a thing is how substantive a thing is um, that we use to rate the films we discuss here on the fear of God read how Mm -hmm. scary is buried very scary is it very terribly harrowing it's 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 very scary terribly harrowing It's
1: it's terribly harrowing it um look it's claustrophobic it's um Again, relentlessly intensifying uh circumstances as well. I mean, no, it's not the kind of thing that's gonna, you know, startle you and make you jump, except for maybe the sequence with the snake. But um I'm gonna give this I'm gonna give this a ten. This is a, Hey. This, I know. But listen, here's like, the thing is like, there's a snake like, just like, in my pants. <laughs> 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 like <laughs> when you think about what's going on in this movie, like oh, yeah, freaking sure. I'm, I'm freaking like, yeah, th- th- ten. Ten, Hmm. terribly claustrophobic and harrowing. So yes, yeah, I just I I did it. I think
0: the the end pushes me over. I'm gonna go nine. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna (laughs) (laughs) temper the the ten is occupied. I'm gonna go out the way (laughs) I came. Gonna, oh there's somebody <laughs> here already. I'm going to
1: uh,
0: I'm going to move on the other way. I don't mind Don't mind me. Don't mind me. <laughs> oh, Sorry. You didn't put the sign up, come, you know? I didn't know. Come, come here off. <laughs> 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 oh. So, 9. <laughs> is, is, is yes,
1: just a 9.
0: Yeah, nine is your yeah. measurement. Yeah. And so, yeah. so what about for God? Oh God, <laughs> help us, unbury us from our sophomore. Ooh, ooh, so sophomore. Ooh. Um, Speak
1: for yourself. Okay, so um, what would you <laughs> what would you say for the for the God measurement?
0: Um, I mean, despite what could be problematic inciting incident, I still think it's organically constructed with a punch at the end that is less a twist and more perhaps an inevitability that you don't really know is inevitable. Um, but that really makes, I'm going to give it an eight. Um, I, I don't think they intend the heft we gave it but it's hard to deny yeah. you're telling a life or death story. Like, like that, no, that's literally yes. what you're engaging in. And so inherent to that choice, that story choice is going to be big questions that are, yes, are of sort course. of posed inherently. Yeah.
1: Well understood. I think I'm going to join you in that eight, eight was where I was kind of hovering. So your, uh, invocation of it sort of entrenched me in there. I think there's, I think there is a lot on its mind. I, we didn't hit it hard in the early stages of the conversation, and I won't hit it hard now, but I agree with you i think there's I think there's it's worth putting a little asterisk on like, okay, is the inciting incident problematic, but then once it gets into that, I would definitely. Yeah. I definitely feel like there's a lot more going on to it that, that than merely the potential political landscape that yeah. put him there yeah. that that is definitely on the film's mind. And so to that end I would give it an eight. Um and that means that we give I'm just gonna round it up. It was a fractional measurement, but I'm gonna round it up. We give Buried, uh, the film by Rodrigo Cortez and nine out of ten on the fog meter. That is that's a strong showing for the old fog meter. That is a strong showing and that's higher than I thought we'd end up. I did. Yeah. Likewise. Um, but would you recommend buried to
0: people? Yeah. It's, uh, it's economical. Uh, it's inventive. It does not. I'll frame it this way. Power couple. They may be Has, <coughs> hashtag power couple. Uh, to <laughs> me, this is a more believable setup than, than the shallows. Yeah, Which I know yeah, I that. that's unfair to compare them. I'm just saying like, I'm right. elevating what they do and buried as, Okay, I can buy why this is happening and, and kind of go along yeah. with it. So yeah, no, I, under- I, I dig it. Understood. I, w- I would recommend it as well. It's I mean it's harrowing.
1: I think there's going to be some people who at the end would be like, man, why did I put myself through that? But I think it's a really
0: um, inventive and
1: very affecting film. Well, we didn't even talk about. It. I mean, I
0: love some of the shots. Like I love kind of the sure, the rotating yeah. outside the coffin shots that, mm-hmm, that kind of mm-hmm. pivots down into it. So stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's good at what yeah. it does.
1: One of the ones that. You know, and it's it's a fake out. But one of the ones that I really responded strongly to is the one where it, it the and this may be what you were referring to, but like the the camera continues to climb, mm-hmm. so he's yes. buried, yeah. And so it's this image like an overhead shot of him, but it continues mm-hmm. to climb as if the walls went up forever. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. and you know, obviously in the literal they don't, but I thought that was a really powerful visual image of just and and what I took in that moment of like yeah, just the walls go on forever is just how how. F- far he feels like he has to go to get out of this mm-hmm. thing it was just yeah it was just yeah it is it, it is pretty inventive um, visually speaking and so yeah yeah I recommend it as well um, so yeah thank you Ernst very very much for um, pushing us towards covering Buried, I've really enjoyed this conversation, um, and hopefully listeners, you have as well. Next week, we're going to do this again, and uh, we're going to be pivoting to another What Scares Us submission, um, this time uh, from one of our good listener friends, and he's taken us back to the Wes Craven franchise of Scream. But we covered Scream 1 already, and you would think the next installment would be Scream 2, but no, 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 no. We're going to be going to Scream Four, Quattro. Okay, Sque- <laughs> Scream, Scream, <laughs> Scream. We gotta get out of here. <laughs> it's late. <laughs> We're going to Scream Four next week, directed by Wes Craven, uh, starring all the usual suspects. So check out Scream Four specifically for those who may not be caught up on the entire franchise. You don't really need to have seen every single entry in the franchise to appreciate what Scream 4 does, it probably would be good to at least have seen the first one, but no need to have seen every single thing before getting to Scream 4. So if you've never seen the first one, I'd recommend acquainting yourself with the first one and with our episode about it and then watching Scream 4. If you've already seen Scream 1, And haven't caught up with the rest, just catch up with Scream 4. You will probably be fine. And meet us here next week. Nathan, thank you, as always, for these conversations. Um, Can't thank you enough for them, honestly. And as we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And in that spirit, we encourage you to
0: fear nothing else
1: and be on your way rejoicing. We'll see you next week, everybody.
0: Be unburied. Amen. See you next week, guys.
1: The Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. You can start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for all the latest news and episodes, or for merchandise and to contact us directly. You can follow us on Twitter at The Fear of God, on Instagram at Fear of God Podcast, or join the Facebook Fear of God discussion group. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of jacobhuntcomics.com for our artwork to Lee Wright, who helped me, read Lackey, write our theme music, and to Tyler Smith at MoreThanOneLesson.com for making our show possible. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, and if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Hi, everybody!